Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, how are you? Chris, I am doing all right. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing okay, bud. I'm doing okay. I'm the the temperature is dropping. I'm feeling feeling kind of spooky. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Getting into it. We're having we're having some good times. Yeah, I've, I'm. Digging into spooky movie time here in October, and I might even talk about one later because it actually doesn't break the rules. So get excited! I'm Matt. I'm always excited to hear you talk about scary movies because I don't have to watch them. Yeah, I'll just tell you about them uh, and scary TV as well. I'll talk a little bit about, even though that kind of does break the rules, but I have a whole show about it, so I can't not talk about it. We're going to take your listener questions on the show this week. It's going to be fun. We're going to hear what you have to say, what you're interested in. We we will turn the mirror back on you, listener. Th- that's right, folks. This abyss is going to gaze back. <laughs> I'm trying to make it spooky for the season. So I think it's working. I I, I definitely think it's working. Yeah. Well, Chris, before we get into our listener questions, we do have some business to take care of. Our first order of business is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now these are the people who have gone all the way down to 655 gimmick street. You know, what's down there. Well, Chris, it used to be, is this one that I can say? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have an idea, but I, I kind of feel like you're on the same wavelength. Well, it used to be a Sears, Roebuck, and Company. But you know that's gone. Uh-huh. That, that uh-huh. closed. So you know what's there in its place. You know what has risen to inhabit the dead store. But I know exactly what it is, and guess what? We were indeed on the same wavelength is a spirit halloween buddy it is a spirit halloween i saw a tumblr post a series of tumblr posts this week where people from outside the u.s and canada were simply baffled by the idea of spirit halloween i mean it's not that complicated (laughs) like i until until we started doing that one con that was in Greenville, South Carolina, South Carolina Comic Con, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a show that I very much enjoyed doing when I lived down there. I had never seen a dedicated costume shop and thought those were made up for like TV shows in the 60s. So, wow. Y- yeah, because like, I mean, I grew up in a small town, but also like, th- there's a time in this country where everybody dresses up in costume. And that's kind of when when we do that. We don't usually do it other times. So those stores don't have to stick around. 
That's true. I there are other times of year when there might be a reason to dress up in a costume. But there's one time when everybody or nearly everybody is going to be dressing up in a costume. Oh. I ordered a costume piece this very day. Oh, I, I guess you're gonna you're gonna keep the secret from me. Yeah, we'll do a big reveal. Marlene and I will do a big reveal of our planned couples costume. Very uh, exciting at, at the appropriate time. Uh, Chris, there's a spirit Halloween over there on Gimmick Street. Right, we were doing a thing. Yeah, six fifty five Gimmick Street. Yeah, sorry, Matt, forgot we were doing a thing. Uh, Patreon. That's another place you can go to get a costume. Is the internet, and once once you're on the internet, well, why not? Why not swing by Patreon.com/slash/WarrocketAjax, where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month. That's right, as little as one dollar per month to help me and Matt uh, pay those gimmicks they keep sending in the mail called bills, and help me replace this 2017 MacBook that is. Really, it's hanging in there. It's a champ. It's really hanging in. You might be asking, what costume can I get at patreon.com slash warrocketajax? I said you can get a costume on the internet. Well, what the costume you can get at Patreon specifically is a War Rocket Ajax t-shirt, which you can get by being at the t-shirt level of our Patreon, which is the top level. Only the top tier patrons get the annual t-shirt, but you can. And you can make it part of your costume. And I would advise that you do. Uh, as a patron, you make sure that we... Well, let's thank the new ones first, right? We gotta. And we should. Yeah, that's Boy, Matt, we are all over the place with this bit that we do in every single episode. The one thing that we do in every episode. Manuel Martinez. Thank you, Manuel. And Brad Elmore. Thank you, Brad. Those are our new Patreon supporters. First of all, they're going to get ad-free versions of every single show that we do. They're going to get this show weekly. They're going to get Every Story Ever monthly. They're going to get Comics Catch-Up monthly. They're going to get Movie Fighters and Snack Situation. Every single one of those shows completely ad-free uh, on their special Patreon ad-free feed. And they're going to help make all those shows possible uh, with their contributions, which is also incredibly helpful. Both of them are going to get bonus content. That includes bonus audio that we record, stuff I cut out from the show that just couldn't fit, and also bonus writing that Chris does. Chris does most of it. I've written a couple of things that are on the Patreon, but Chris has written quite a few uh, video game reviews and other things that are Patreon-exclusive. Patreon is the place to get line-stepping privileges for Every Story Ever and Thursday Night Raw currently. You can also get physical rewards over there on the Patreon and uh, other cool stuff, too. So go check it out. Go help us out, if you can, on the Patreon. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. And Chris needs a new MacBook. Uh, I got essentially a new tooth. So we both have things that got replaced. And it sure would help if Patreon helped cover some of that. I'm doing fine. I feel very guilty for not asking you before now. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Uh, relatively little pain. It did suck. The whole process sucked. Literally. I got a root canal. 
If you can't support us on Patreon, you can help us out in other ways. You can help us by leaving us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Five stars would help us out so, so much. Or you can just spread the word about the show, get the word out. So we get more listeners. Tell your friends to listen to your boys over there on Gimmick Street. All right, Chris, with that, you know what it's time for. It's time for Tricks and Treats. Let's do it. Chris, how's Tricks? I'm glad you remembered, because I wrote it down this week. I was like, oh, it's time for Tricks and Treats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very exciting. We're there, yeah. It's the second most wonderful time of the year. I have great news for you. Perfect. Great news for you. Great news for our friendship. Mmm. And that is that I have finally, at last, found the good from Software Game. Are you playing Armored Core? I'm not playing Armored Core. Okay. Because, as, as you know, while I will buy video games literally every day of my life, I only buy them when they are on deep discount sale. Yeah, yeah. But you're not far off, Matt. Because, look, I've tried. I know you like Bloodborne, and I'm, I'm over here like, like, I'm just not good at it. It's fine. It's 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 just not for me, and I can live with that. And then I tried Bad Zelda, and that was that was frustrating for me. And I and I I know you get mad when I call it that. I'm, I'm letting it go. Please continue. But I, but I finally found a game from From Software that makes me understand. The like what people see in those games, like the storytelling, the gameplay, it all clicks at once. And buddy, that game is Metal Wolf Chaos XD. Okay. Do you know about Metal Wolf Chaos XD? I don't know anything about it. Oh, buddy, 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 buddy. You you sh- you should go watch the opening oh. scene of Metal Wolf Chaos XD right now. I didn't know what it was called. I do know what this game is. This is the game where uh, the vice president stages a coup. Uh, he is specifically like uh, he, it's the the forty seventh president, so he'll be the next one, uh, and his vice president stages a coup, takes over the world, and outlaws freedom. Obviously, that's bad. (laughs) And you know the only thing that can help with that is the president, on his own, getting into his giant mech suit, exploding out of the White House, and just shooting everything until it's good. It's incredible. It's it's Matt. It's incredible. I I did not identify the game by name, but I I've seen clips from this game. I I know what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty bananas. It is from two thousand four. This is an it, almost twenty year old game. It was never brought over to uh, America until like four years ago. Uh, And it has been 
and I say this with no disrespect to the people who worked on this game. I feel like this is a this is a good way to have done this. It has been translated, but I don't think localized. <laughs> it is you escape from Washington DC on Air Force 1 riding on Air Force 1 with the back open like it's a cargo plane. Uh, in the in the opening act, and then you start fighting from the West Coast back to the East Coast to liberate America in your mech that has a backpack that is full of guns. And the wildest thing about this is that you are playing as like a mech that's that's got to be like you know ten feet tall. But all the guns are like normal guns. Like you start off with a revolver. <laughs> presumably they got a gun and made it slightly larger to fit in your robot hands. Uh, it is the second best uh, president based game I have ever played. I think mm. Mm. after mm. of course, Saints Row four. Right. So, sure. Certainly. Yes. This was from the period when FromSoft was best known for the Armored Core series. So, that, this, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's wild about it is, I mean, everything's wild about it, but to me specifically, a very bonkers thing about this game is that it never made it to America. When it is... It's American in the same way that, like, Judge Dredd is American. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's like, yep, this is what America is. This is what people from not America think of America. Yeah. 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 And, and, and here we are. So, highly enjoyable. Uh, is, it, is it a good game to play? No. It's fine. It actually plays like EDF, Earth Defense Force, if you ever played that, which is another one that has a hard time uh, getting over on this side of the ocean. But uh, highly worth playing, because I have not been as delightfully surprised uh, by a game in quite some time. As I <laughs> and I made it to the second level. So. Nice. I'm better at it than I am at Bloodborne. Matt, what have you been up to this past week? How was tricks with you? Well, Chris, I feel like this, even though it might be a little bit of a bummer, I do think it is incumbent on us in this part of the show to recognize and acknowledge the passing of the great Keith Giffen, uh, who died just a couple days before recording this episode. And what I ended up having to say on Blue Sky was just, that's a guy who did so much in comics, it you don't even know where to start. Yeah. Like, a lot of people, understandably, went straight to JLI, you know, the, the, the funny DC comics of the 80s, which included Justice League International and Justice League Europe, but also ambush bug and a lot of that related work in the eighties. But like 
quickly how quickly do we forget that Keith Giffen basically created the modern Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Because he created that version of Star-Lord, essentially, in Annihilation, and the modern Drax. And, I mean, Annihilation ended up being the template for, like, all cosmic Marvel comics for the last 20 years. Yeah. You know? And and he drew or did the layouts for the entirety of 52, the book that kind of saved DC Comics. Yeah. And, like, I'm just scratching the surface. Yeah, that is a – that's a dude who had a – not just a long career, but, like, a long career where he was central to – particularly at DC, but, like, major DC Comics, like, eras. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. And there's there's not a lot of people who – really can can claim that it's like like he has one of those mark wade careers where it's just it's like you said where do you start you can talk all day about keith giffen as a writer and then talk for a second day about keith giffen as an artist no kidding no kidding man and like it's not even like he went from one to the other he would go back and forth all the time and do both. And he would change his artistic style and he could write really like good, pretty serious comics. And he could write really funny comics, which we've talked about on the show is incredibly hard to do. Like he made Lobo comics as good as they could be. Yeah. Co-creator of Lobo. And I think like the, the, his version of Lobo is very different from like the the like what Lobo became. Like that original version of Lobo is still a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like he yes, he did way more at DC than Marvel and other places. But like his influence on Marvel just by doing Annihilation is un- unbelievably huge. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about him last night, uh, the, the D&D group um, that includes uh, Ben Gilly and uh, our buddy uh, Josh Kroc, uh, literer of some renown and uh, noted fan of uh, Detective Comics comics from the 80s. And one of the things I was talking about was just that new 52 OMAC series had no reason to be good. And it was. And it was. It was extremely good. Yeah. That Dan DiDio written OMAC comic from the New Fifty Two, it it's good. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, man. It like we've talked about Invasion on this show. I don't know how many times. I fucking love Invasion. He's the dude. Like he didn't script it, but he did everything else. Yeah, you know, like. I feel like Keith Giffen, even having gotten some of his flowers, is one of those comics creators that's just like criminally underappreciated just because of how much he did. Yeah, he's one of those guys where it's like, like it's nearly impossible to overstate. 
Yeah. What he did. Yeah. Um, also, would that any of us had the presence of mind to make that joke that he made on his literal deathbed. The man went out on his terms. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> like, legitimately, legitimately stand in awe of that incredible parting shot. Yeah. Unbelievably great. Uh, R.I.P. Keith Giffen. I'm, I'm making that my check uh, because I've been thinking about it ever since uh, it happened. So that's that's that. Uh, or, sorry, trick. Uh, Chris, it's time for treats. What are you treating yourself with? Matt, uh, I would like to recommend a book, uh, both to the listeners and, again, also to you. And also with me. And also with you. Uh, and that book is one that was actually recommended to me by my wife, AC, because uh, she read it, and it's one of those where she put it down and then immediately went, you should read this, you would love it. And guess what? She was right. Mm. And I bring it to you today, Matt. It is called The Lies of Locke Lamora. Okay. It is a, uh, it is a fantasy novel. Uh, I would say, I, I would describe it as low fantasy in the vein of Conan, or I think even the like back cover text of the book compares it to like Fafford and the Grey Mouser. Okay. A little bit of a low fantasy in that regard. The main character, Locke Lamora, of the title, um, he is one of the gentleman bastards, which is a heist crew. Okay, I'm listening. And he's he's the he's the face man of of the cons. So it's like it's like reading fantasy leverage, which is everything <laughs> I want in this world. And I think you would really dig it. It's kind of intimidatingly long. It's 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 a thick boy. It's like seven hundred pages, but it is so breezy. It it goes by. It's very very readable. Uh, I'm uh, I I took a day off because all I wanted to do was turn my brain off and think about Goku for a little bit. Sure. Uh, but I made it through like three hundred pages in two days, and I was like, oh, this kicks ass. This is this is excellent. My wife was indeed correct. So again, highly. Highly recommended specifically to you, because I know that you you are a, a heistman. I um, do enjoy a story about a heist. However, I I do have to ask. Yeah. Uh, since you've been thinking about Goku constantly, how do you feel about the new Goku show, the new Dragon Ball show that's going to make Goku a child again, a, like for a second time? <laughs> Yes. I don't know about this, Matt. I will send you information about it. Toriyama is involved. Okay. They're making Goku a child again. Again. Like, like it's not, it's not just GT. They're doing it again. Yes. There is, there is a teaser for the anime series. Everybody's turning into a kid this time. Okay, that's. I haven't seen a lot of GT, but I thought it was actually like really sweet when when 
old man Krillin and Goku fought at Master Roshi's house. Uh, so this isn't just like a reboot. No, it's, well, I don't know. It's called Dragon Ball Daima. That's all I know about it. And everybody's in it as a kid. It will see a number of classic Dragon Ball Z characters like Goku, Vegeta, and Bulma transformed into children. Kinda can't wait for Vegeta babies. <laughs> but, like, it raises so many questions. Like, why would they turn Goku into a child for the third time? And, like, what, like what's, what about Gohan? What about, you know, I have so many questions. I... I just hope, Matt, that 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 we get it right this time. I hope so. I hope so. We have a year to think about it before the show. Oh, don't worry, I'm going to be thinking about it for that entire year. <laughs> I do. I do feel like. I do feel like it's kind of time for a Dragon Ball reboot. And I feel that way, obviously, because I recently finished reading Dragon Ball personally. Sure. But, like, the last thing that happened in Dragon Ball was that, like, Gohan finally went into, like, his ultimate form. And we got we got Gohan Super Saiyan Beast. And, like, that's it. Like, either you do stuff with Gohan or... or you Matt, this trailer's bananas. I'm I'm gonna watch it after we finish recording. I'm not gonna watch it while we record, but uh Buddy Everyone gets turned into a kid. <laughs> I'm I'm talking I'm not just talking Goku, Vegeta, Bulma. I'm talking Mr. Satan. Okay. The, the the Kai of the universe? The Lord of okay. Lords? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's gonna be this is gonna be buck wild. I'm excited about it. <laughs> uh, well, th- your recommendation to reiterate is the lies of Loch Lamora. Lies of Loch Lamora. Yes, it's exceptionally good. Uh, the I, I mean, it really is like Favreau and the Gray Mauser meets Leverage, which is great. Exciting. What uh, are you treating yourself to this week, Matt? Well, Chris, we are sticking to our pledge to not review movies on the show or recommend movies from studios that are being struck. Continuing by the Screen Actors Guild, the WGA strikes are over, but the Screen Actors Guild strike continues. So... We won't be recommending any movies from those places. I do. I will note that even though it never really ended, Friends Till the End is back with a new season of Chucky, and we are talking about those episodes. And I'm just, please just live with that, because we got to talk about that show when it comes out. Um, but let know that we support the strike and the actors. Uh, completely. But the movie I'm recommending on this show this week is from a studio that is not struck. And also it's Australian. So okay. I'm I'm think I'm safe on both counts. Um it's an A24 movie. There is uh a 
exception for A24 specifically, because basically they just said, hey, whatever you guys agree on, we're doing that. So A24 is the one studio that's good. And like their stuff is in production there now. Um, this movie's called Talk to Me. It's an Australian horror movie that I won't say too much about because I feel like you get so much from that movie by going in cold. Like I went in knowing next to nothing about the movie and I feel so much better about that. Uh, So if you don't want to hear anything about it, I would suggest just going and watching it. It is, you can rent it on all the streaming sites where you can rent movies now. Um, But I'll, I'll just briefly say it's a movie about an artifact. Like it's in the shape of a hand. It's a, or it is a hand that like you can basically hold onto it like a handshake. And if you say, talk to me, when you do that, you see a spirit and it's all about teens having this hand and just fucking around with it. Okay. And it is so good. I feel like there are so many things that you could say that this is an allegory for or representative of. And the way that it plays out in the movie, it's just so well done. The scares are really good. The way that it like mixes humor and horror uh, and the way that it's about trauma, which you know, so many horror movies are about that now. But I'm glad because – we all have it, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's just I've I came away from watching that movie more excited and optimistic about horror in the twenty twenties than I have been in a couple years. So, if you like that kind of horror, like I do, horror that's about a thing. Uh, talk to I can't I couldn't recommend talk to me more. Uh, not to shit on Skinamarink, which was a movie that was trying to do a thing for sure. Uh, but I saw Skinamarink and kind of didn't get the hype. Uh, talk to me, I get the hype about completely. Uh, so that is my treat, and you should treat yourself to it as well if you like a scary movie. All right, Chris, those are our tricks and treats. It's time now for us to talk about some comics. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. 
It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And Paperlike feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with. But getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. Let's do it. The winner of this week's Texter's Choice Award, Chris, is Amazing Spider-Man number 35. Uh, you texted me to let me know that you had caught up with Amazing Spider-Man and that you were amused by something, a turn of events in that book. Yeah, man. So so I caught up on, on Spidey, uh, and it was quite good. But the thing that happened in the most recent arc is that Peter Parker got stabbed with all of uh, Norman Osborn's sins. Which I kind of love it when comics just like go full like fairy tale. Uh, and so he became like a Green Goblin man. And he decided he was just going to go uh, kill a bunch of people. Like he goes and, goes and buries Craven alive. Like in Craven's Last Hunt. And one of the things he says was like, I can't believe I let you walk around like you didn't bury me alive. <laughs> Which was extremely good. But the important thing is that in order to do all this, and because it's kind of riffing on Craven's Last Hunt, Matt, you know what he had to do. He had to put on his, his killing clothes. He had to go put on his killing clothes. Peter Parker yeah. has killing clothes. Yes. He's got now, clothes he wears to kill people. Listeners of this show might think that that would make me mad, but it's justified 
if he's been stabbed with all of Norman Osborn's sins. The reason it made me so mad in that one JMS story is because he just does it. He's like, I'm angry, so I'm going to put on my killing clothes. And that's regular Peter doing that. Yeah. This is a Peter who's been turned evil by being stabbed with all of Norman Osborn's sins. Yeah. So Which is hilarious. It's justified for him to put on his killing clothes. And man, you, you say this is a Craven's Last Hunt riff. It's veering into tribute act. Oh, d- absolutely. Absolutely. Because vermin's in this shit. <laughs> yeah, like like specifically, like it is It is very specifically being like, hey, y'all remember Craven's Last Hunt, right? Remember when vermin's in that? Remember when, uh, when, when Craven goes and beats the shit out of vermin? Here's what's fun, though, is it's very consciously doing all that in reverse. So yes. Spider-Man buries Craven alive and then takes him to the sewer to fight vermin and, and vermin beats up Craven. <laughs> Spider-Man, you know, anyway, he wears his killing clothes and it's very fun. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's got the captured boxes from Craven's last hunt too. It does. Yeah, it does. It's, it's when he put on his killing clothes. I don't know what the reaction I was supposed to have was, but since we have only referred to that for so long, as as Spider-Man's killing clothes, I was endlessly delighted by it. The, the, the part of it that's the least Craven's last hunty is this new issue, number 35, the one that ends the arc, where, <laughs> where Peter <laughs> is just about to like throw Mary Jade's new dude, uh, Paul, like off the side of a building. I mean, he does. <laughs> He's going to throw him off the bridge. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and Mary Jane has to save him with her new jackpot powers. And then Norman has to come in and save Peter from himself. And it's really good. It's really well done. And it ends on a cliffhanger for Norman that's uh, definitely going to lead to some more stuff. I really am enjoying I did not think I would but I am really enjoying the relationship between uh, Peter Parker and Norman Osborn who I guess got all his sins stabbed out of him apparently yeah you know you know Norman there's another way to to get rid of your sins (laughs) will you pray with me Norman Osborn (laughs) Uh, you just have to be washed in the blood, my yeah, friend. Man. Norman as a guy who is trying to absolve himself of all that shit, but is still haunted by it, I think is has proven to be a great take on that character. It's a It's a really good bit, and it's a bit that I think does something that's really difficult which is to to capture that feeling of mental illness when you look back on things you've done and you're like, who was that? Like, why did I do that? Obviously, yeah. like, you know, hopefully, dear, dear friend, you have not chucked anyone off a building hopefully. Uh, or a bridge or impaled anyone on the glider. 
or been in a story written by JMS. <laughs> but still, it's like it's it's that it's that very interesting feeling of of doing that without falling into the trap that I think like a heroes in crisis does where it's like, either we ignore this or this is the only thing this character has ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, I want to talk about a book that I feel like it is incumbent on us to talk about because this is such so up our alleys or should be. Uh, And that is the first issue of, a miniseries focusing on Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, uh, written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Carlos Magno. And this issue, as a first issue, is doing a lot of just getting from A to B. Mm-hmm. We're just we're just gonna we're making Cap Cap Wolf, and and this is World War II Cap. So this is this predates him becoming Cap Wolf. In the Grunwald run, in the Grunies, this is World War II Captain America having to take over leadership of the Howling Commandos from Nick Fury because Nick Fury gets injured. And they go on a mission to uh, Wolfshanza. You know, you know about Wolfshanza. Yeah, you know, you know how, uh, how there was the Eagle's Nest? Mm-hmm. Like in... Uh, like in Where Eagles Dare, a, a movie of which I am quite fond. Yeah. Uh, well, well, if you got the Eagles Nest, you got to have the Wolf Den. Yeah. And and how the Nazis had, you know, s- spooky witch ladies uh, who create werewolves. <laughs> I mean, that is basically true. Yeah. And uh, and so by the end of the issue. Cap and the Howling Commandos, you know, fight some werewolves, and Cap gets bit, and he becomes Cap Wolf. And it is maybe a little disappointing that we we don't actually get Cap Wolf until the last page, because a lot of this issue is just kind of getting there, you know? And also... Captain America and Nick Fury having a weirdly antagonistic relationship. Uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk trash about this book, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm going to because that's what happens when someone says that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think I had the same kind of disappointment over that exact thing where I was like. If the book's called Cap Wolf, then don't put Cap Wolf on page 20. Put Cap Wolf on page one. Like, if, if, I mean, you mentioned like this is predating the Grimwolf run. My assumption was that this was like a, a non canon, just like Halloween special. Like, I mean, that's, that's very possible, yeah. Yeah. So, like, the, it feels like a a waste of time to not have Cap Wolf in your book called Cap Wolf until the, until the book is over. Like, obviously, there's there's more to come. There's going to be more issues, but like as a unit of storytelling, this is the comic, right? It is the well, is what was released. Yeah. Also, this is the issue that's coming out in October. Yeah. So 
like it would have been timely timely comics mm-hmm. for this to be spookier because like who's gonna be as interested in November when he's fully cap wolf doing doing werewolf stuff yeah here's here's the other thing that I'll say. You mentioned that Cap and Nick Fury have a weird relationship that's kind of hard to grasp. Uh-huh. And you are correct about that. Also, it, this feels like ultimate Captain America in a lot of ways. Like he, like things that he says in, in the dialogue, and then also you know he does the thing where he jumps out of the plane without a parachute. He's a little uh, bit cocky. He's a little bit full of himself. And I guess the idea is maybe... In World War Two, like World War Two, Cap is maybe a little younger and less reserved. But he tells the Howling Commandos, who are a bunch of World War Two soldiers who kill people all day, that 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 in in my unit we don't swear. Yeah, and that's like I don't know it. It hit me wrong, and it hit me as being like like this does not feel like. Captain America to me. Like this feels like ultimate Captain America, who is not a dude that I am interested in reading about. Yeah, it's it is it's weird. The, I feel like the dynamic between him and Nick Fury is supposed to be kind of like a friendly rivalry. But it comes off more often than not that Cap just like doesn't like him. <laughs> yeah, like it comes off as they don't like each other, and then it's like, but it would be an honor for you to lead the Helen Commandos. I don't know. I, I hope this is just a rocky start, because I would like to, you know, I'm all for getting, like, a fun little holiday special where Captain America is a werewolf for a little bit. That's fun. I like that. So I'm really hoping this is just a rocky start, and it'll it'll settle into a group next time. Yeah, for sure. Because... Uh, you know we're so inclined to like a book called Cap Wolf and the ha- yeah. Howling Commandos. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, finally, let's talk about Avengers number six. Did we talk when this book started about how it's just Jed McKay doing uh, the first five issues of the Morrison Porter Justice League run? No, I don't think we. I don't think we pointed that out. Okay, well, that's that's what this is. Yeah. This is JLA New World Order, but with the Avengers instead of the JLA. Like, beat for beat. <laughs> like, that's what it is. Like, here's a, here's a bunch of dudes that show up that you're probably not going to have to worry about again. Uh, so they all have names that that are just a little too weird to stick. A little too weird to get over. And then this is going to end with them being the Justice League and having their new headquarters in space. Right, because there's a sentient city. Yeah, there's the impossible city. Right, there's a sentient city that has been brought under the control of the yeah this group of villains, which, interesting that you immediately thought of JLA New World Order, because they reminded me of the gentry from... Multiversity. Mm. Now they reminded me of the Hyper Clan. I mean, I think they could probably remind us of 
of both <laughs> of, of <laughs> multiple Grant Morrison villain groups. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just like kind of the way they're presented is like I don't know ideas, like how they how they create chaos and and sow discord through ideas mm-hmm. is what made me think of the gentry. Um, but no, nonetheless, I think it is you're we're both. I think onto something by identifying this as a Morrison riff. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see that as a problem. No, me neither. Of course not. I think this is my least favorite of all of the Jed McKay stories that I have read, which saying that with the caveat that like many of them are among the best comics coming out right now. (laughs) So like being the, being the worst best book, is not too far a hill to fall from. But it, it was weird to be reading these, because I caught up on the last couple issues today, and it was just like, oh, this is just JLA. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I get it. We, it, we made it is, team, and this is JLA now. It is that approach for this arc. I'm, 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 I would like to know, yeah, what McKay has in mind for the rest of the run, because... Like that, Morrison's JLA run gets better after New World Order. I I hope the Avengers run gets better after this. Uh, New World Order is still pretty fucking good, actually. I mean, you're right, <laughs> it is, but it gets it does get better after that. So, yeah, I I I agree that this might not be the tippy top best Jed McKay thing we've run into, but. I think there's a lot of possibility for where it could go from here. Absolutely. And honestly, I would be uh, delighted if the next story was about them fighting uh, angels. Mm-hmm. And then the story after that, like, I guess the Guardians of the Galaxy showed up and then they fought uh, Thanos in an alternate reality. Well, we'll only have to wait and see. All right, Chris, those are our comics reviews, which means it's time for us to dig into some listener questions. Let's do it. All right, Chris, I'm actually going to start us off with uh, a few questions slash comments from Tumblr that have been sitting on Tumblr for a little while. Okay. This one is from Sean C.M. Bell blog. Hey guys, while I've heard one or both of you discuss most of the other major Superman adaptations, the movies, the animated series, etc., I wondered what your opinion was on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. I remember liking it a lot at the time, and I have not revisited it. Same. Primarily because, like, Dean Cain has been in a bunch of movies about how evolution's not real. And and is a, like, regular contributor on Fox News, I think. Yeah. So, th- that's that's difficult for me <laughs> to get yeah. past. Uh, but I do, I do remember, like, it feels very post-crisis Superman to me. Like, when I think about it, I think about, like... I remember there being an episode where they literally talked about how uh, Superman didn't fly until Clark was 18. Uh, And that, you know, 
there was a you know, businessman Lex is in it. So I have those memories about it, but nothing substantial. I don't know if this is true because I haven't watched it since it was on TV either, which has been 25 years, if not more, 30 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and cause so I was like, 11 years old when that show was on. Um, And I remember not being able to actually watch it anywhere for a long time. Like it's on max Maxwell now, but like early streaming times, like for a lot of the 2010s, that show was just nowhere to watch. Right. So that's another reason why I never kind of revisited it. And now I am, not especially prone to revisit it because of the Dean Kane of it all. But I remember it as sort of a companion piece to Superman, the animated series. Weirdly. Like, That's interesting. Like Lois and Clark was the kind of like romantic comedy version. And Superman, the animated series was all the action stuff. And it's not exactly like they went hand in hand, but I I feel like they covered like two the two main sides of Superman comics of that time. Mm-hmm. They I don't I don't think there was any overlap with those. Like I unless Lois and Clark ran longer than I thought it did. Uh, maybe you're right. Um, I think Lois and Clark ran for like four seasons. Yeah, it ran so, for a minute. But. Superman the Animated Series started in 96. Lois and Clark started in 93 and ran four seasons. So there was like an overlap of maybe a year or two. I can tell you fairly unequivocally, I prefer Superman the Animated Series. Uh, agreed. I As do I. As do I. Here's another question. Well, this is sort of a comment slash question from Tumblr. Uh, from someone whose screen name is just a string of random letters. Uh, I'm listening to a podcast with Tom King, and his response to being asked why he takes goofy characters and and tells stories he does with them is that he's inspired by the Squadron Supreme taking a bunch of Justice League parodies and making them fascists. I don't have a point. I just thought it was important this podcast knows there's a direct line from Squadron Supreme to the War of Jokes and Riddles. I don't have a point. I just wanted you guys to be sad. <laughs> I just wanted you guys to just be a little bummed out about about what one of the greatest comics of all time became. I mean, we ca- we talk all the time about people learning the wrong lessons from Watchmen. You don't think about people learning the wrong lessons from Squadron Supreme. But I guess they did. Yeah, I mean, like, that's... I, I think it is equally possible to learn the wrong lessons from Squad and Supreme. It's just that nobody's read it, comparatively. So if you do, you still there, there's still that chance. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you come away from Squadron Supreme thinking that comics need to be more about 
what if the superheroes were bad guys or what if like like that's not that's not what that's about <laughs> like you know exploring these weighty topics like cause, cause Squadron Supreme does a good job of it like if you're gonna do it do a good job of it yeah I mean like Matt if what you're saying is if you're going to make comic books make good comic books I agree with you but specific- I, don't, I don't think it's that easy <laughs> Specifically, if you're going to make comics about real-world, quote-unquote, issues, well, don't. Don't do that. Because Squadron Supreme isn't about real-world issues. Yeah, Squadron Supreme is about the Justice League taking over the world. <laughs> like, I just... I, mm. I don't know. Like, I think it is imminently possible to... to do superhero stories that are inspired by and informed by like very real things. Uh, I, I think uh, the alternates is a really good example of that because it also doesn't lose sight of being a superhero story and being like a story in this universe. Like you don't, you don't have to do that. Like you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to read squad and Supreme and go, man, I wish guy Gardner was getting cucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. Here's a question from mattfraction.bsky.social. Like that guy? Butt stuff werewolf plus. Showrunner on the upcoming Monarch show. It's been announced. Very exciting. Uh, that, that's a show about Godzilla. So you know it's going to be good. And Matt Fraction's running it. Uh, Matt wants to know, one, how dare you? Because because fortune favors the bold. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, all right. Here's a question from Scary Weather the Boo Cat. Oh, wait, no. Was there I'm not, sure... was there not a, a second question? Was there not a follow-up? There was not a – no, it was just the one question – which was numbered and labeled one. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we will get a question from Scary Weather the Boo Cat, but that was a comment, not a question. If you are posting on the Discord questions thread, please leave discussion out of it uh, because it makes it hard to find questions uh, that are actually questions. Um, here's a question from question from Marg Ghost, not Kitty Pride. How high can Batman jump? I'd I'd say he's got at least a four foot vertical. Like Fair. from standing, like just flat foot from standing with with the suit on. Mm-hmm. I'm saying he's got a four foot vertical at least. Okay, okay. I'm saying Bruce Wayne. I did not watch a lot of the the Batman cartoon, but I did watch enough to know that that canonically established that Bruce Wayne played basketball. (laughs) He was, I guess on his high school basketball team. Bruce Wayne can hoop. Bruce Wayne can hoop. Yeah. So I'm, I'm telling you he can, he can dunk from standing easy. Is he the best basketball player 
in the DC Universe? No. Is he the second best? Probably. Wait, who's the best basketball player in the DC Universe? Uh, I mean, Superman's probably pretty good at it. He's probably pretty good at it, yeah. Although, like, like, no powers? Although, Superman playing basketball, like, he would have to finesse that ball so much. I mean, this is just the Superman having sex question. Because, like, he would just crush the ball, right? Like, he would just, the ball would deflate. All right, okay. Justice League, no powers. Powers out of the equation. Okay. Basketball. Best? I'm going to say, number one, easy choice, Wonder Woman. Number two is Batman. Okay. Three, I'm going to put... I think I'm going to have to... Well... I mean, like, Clark. Clark's a big guy. You know? He doesn't have, like, the basketball player body type. He's got, like, the strongman body type. Right. Like, I mean... You know, Charles Barkley was, was, you know. Well, it depends on what you're trying to do, right? Are you trying to score points? Are you trying to dunk? Are you trying to shoot threes? Or are you clearing the boards? Because I feel like that's Superman's role on the team. Okay. Superman strikes me as like... Like a power forward. Okay. So again, like Barkley. Yeah. Like he's not he's not a shooting guard, right? He's like right. pulling down boards. Okay. And and then boxing out, right? Right. He's a Rodman he, type. He's 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 there for the assist. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm following you. So I'm going to say those. I'm going to say the, the the top three in the DC universe are the top three. Okay, it's Wonder Woman number one, Batman number two. We're going to put Clark at number three. I'm going to say, I feel, I feel like Martian Manhunter does worse than you would expect. I feel like Martian Manhunter would be like Justice League. Yeah, he would be like, we have some, we have a different game we play on Mars that's similar. Yeah, and I don't understand these rules. Like, because you know, if the NBA Jam announcer was like, "He's on fire," like Marsh Manhunter would hate that. He would be like, "No," He'd be like, "No, Tronmere." <laughs> I'm gonna say dead fucking last is Green Lantern. So I think the Flash is is. Above Martian Manhunter, I think Aquaman's probably above Martian Manhunter. I think it's it's John and the, and Green Lantern in the, the bottom. Like bring bring up the bottom. Yeah, I think I think Hal is above. If the Flash in this equation is Barry, I think Hal's above Barry. Okay, okay, yes. I mean, I was thinking like specifically like Morrison era Justice League, but I was thinking about Hal Jordan when I said. Green Lantern would be dead last. So, I think yeah. Kyle is also above Wally. See, well, Kyle's an artist. Like, I don't think like I think Kyle like owns a basketball because like I own a basketball. <laughs> you know, but I don't like I don't think I don't think Kyle's 
Kyle's not not putting up threes. I feel like Kyle's played some street ball. I, I'm sure he has. I don't think he's good at it. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe Wally goes above Kyle. Wally goes above Kyle. Hal, I think, would have to go above Barry, unfortunately. Yeah. But like that's a that's a that's a race to the bottom. A hundred percent. All right, here's our next question. It is from Moose Knight 83.bsky.social. Favorite Keith Giffen story? Uh the uh the one where they fight Despero in, in JLI. Oh That's, yeah, that that is good. Yeah, the one that Adam Hughes draws, that one kicks ass. That is good. That's uh, easy. Easy. You know what I like and well, honestly, I think my like basic answer, but we've talked about it all all the time is invasion. But if I'm given a dark horse answer, it's that beast mini series. Interesting. An interesting choice. Yeah. Uh I do like some of Keith Giffen's Marvel work. There was a Beast Mini from like the late nineties that he wrote that I think was only three issues long. Uh that was like fun. I I believe you. Yeah. That you like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with that. Uh, all right. Here's our next question from Discord. Uh, this is from Kate Boo Shop. Ah, real name. That's a good name. You've that's talked- also that's also a good bit. Yes. Ah, real name. That's also good. <laughs> You've talked a lot about how about raw comic moments, but what is a raw song lyric for you? Do, do you have an answer for this, Matt? I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot to go through. There's a lot to think about. Yeah, like I, th- this is one I'll probably have to. Oh well, I'll tell you a raw song, a raw song lyric. I mean, there's a reason why TikTok was obsessed with it for like a year. Mm-hmm. Like in No Children. When John Darnielle sings, I hope you die, I hope we both die, that's raw. That's a pretty good one. I mean, No Children is a raw song. <laughs> no Children is no children is a song so raw that like he has to assure you that this couple does not have children. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I feel like there are so many raw mountain goats lines yeah no like that's that's what i was trying to think of and i think the one that i would go with is from the legend of chavo guerrero where he says uh he was my favorite back when i was a kid you let me down but chavo never once did you called him names to try and get under my skin now your ashes are scattered on the wind which is like as a dude who remembers when people make fun of the things he likes, uh-huh. which does not stop me from saying things like Elden Ring is bad Zelda. You'd think it would, but I don't, I'm not capable of that level of empathy. <laughs> uh, like that's, that's raw as hell. Uh, on that same album, I, I was recently 
deeply obsessed with the song Southwestern Territory, which is the opening track on Beat the Champ. I still am, really. Uh, but the part where he uh, is singing about like the the wrestler who is the narrator of this song mm-hmm. is talking about being on a show. And so like it starts where he's just like bored. Where he's like, stand in that cold, empty hall, wait for your name to get called. Like, in the locker room, he's bored. Then as soon as his name gets called, it's burn like hillsides on fire in the squall of the ringside choir. Ringside choir, high as a wire. And then the next line is, nearly drive Danny's nose back into his brain. Yeah. Boy. (laughs) Uh and then he talks about the crowd reaction, the cheap seats going insane. From the uh, recent uh, album, uh, I'm doing this for revenge. <laughs> I'm doing this to try to stay true. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, I, I had um, Up the Wolves on my, it was like my most played song on Spotify one year. And AC was like, are you okay? And I was like, well, obviously not. Uh, but I mean, if you don't like screaming, I'm going to bribe the officials. I'm going to kill all the judges. It's going to take you people years to recover from all the damage. Then that might not be the band for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mountain Goats may be the rawest band ever. I mean, I would, I, I think there is merit to that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a lot of rap lyrics we could talk about here too. But yeah, but you you know about ether, you know you about the takeover, you know about hit 'em up, yeah, you know about all that stuff, yeah, you know about most of the run the jewels discography. <laughs> so, I think we'll leave it at that. Uh, here's a question from Kevin J Maroney, Wamzilla social. Oh, I love that guy. What announced but never published comic project still leaves you a little sad? <laughs> Aside from my own? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I can name you a bunch. <laughs> oh, man. Dra- Dracula the Unconquered number five. Coming soon. <laughs> well, I guess none of mine ever were announced either, so maybe um, that doesn't count. Um, I don't know. Like, I, there, there was going to be that... Uh, like I, I the only one I can think of right now is that Mark Andreco Thunder Agents miniseries from like fifteen years ago. That's pretty good. I mean, I feel like it's got to be Superman two thousand. Yeah, that was never announced. That was pitched. That was pitched. Yeah, that, like, like you know, stuff that was pitched. I mean, Adam Warren was going to do a Shang Chi book in like the late nineties. I feel like there is like a like a weird fine line there because. I can't really think of that many announced comics that never came out. Yeah. They're a handful. I'm sure Kevin, being the kind of person that he is, could list off 400 of them right now. Probably. And I'm sure Probably. we would we would recall them and be like, oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like I, that's the only one I can think of, because that one was, like, solicited. Uh, also, there was going to be a there was going to be a comic that was going to be a sequel to uh, Pushing Daisies, the TV show. Brian yeah. Fuller was going to write a comic, and it was going to be 
uh, about the characters from that show fighting an army of zombies. Right. And that never came out, which is a bummer. There is a a Wikipedia page of list of comics solicited but never published. Okay. But I'm going to say a lot of these are probably for the best. Yeah, I'm going to say the Holy Terror Batman is is one that I'm glad we dodged. I mean that got that got published in a form. Yeah, I but know, yeah. but it's it thankfully was not a Batman story. Like, okay, so there was going to be a Jeff Johns JG Jones All-Star Batgirl. I'm okay with that never happening. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all, I'm all right with with having dodged that one. Um Adam Hughes was going to do All-Star Wonder Woman. That's kind of interesting. Uh, there was going to be six more issues of Batman the Widening Gyre. <laughs> that was announced but never published. Mm, that's a real shame. Yeah. Real shame to, to, to not get that creative vision. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find something. on. There's a lot of these. There are a lot of these. Oh, I guess the original version of JLA Avengers from the 80s. Which then became a different thing when it finally got published in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. I I feel like there have been some false starts in comics that I was disappointed never got to finish, like the Morrison run on Authority. Yeah, there's. I feel like there's certainly more unfinished comics. Yeah, that I would rather see than unpublished entirely. Yeah. I guess Chuck Dixon was originally going to write Heroes Reborn Captain America. I'll t- you know, I'll take I'll take Jeff Loeb and the Rob on that one. Yeah. If if that's if that's the uh the competition. Oh, I okay. I f- I feel like this is a good one. There were going to be two sequels to Marvels. That were announced, but that never got made. Oh, by uh, by uh, Busick and Alex Ross? Yeah. Oh, that probably would have been pretty good. Marl's pretty good. Yeah, that would have been pretty good. Uh, but yeah, those were announced, but never, never published. There was a Prisoner, a Marvel Prisoner series that was going to come out that never got uh, published. Jack Kirby did uh, was going to do a Prisoner series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which, it was in the seventies. Yeah, which art for that exists, and it's in. Uh, it was published in the Jack Kirby Collector, and let me tell you what is wild, and that is seeing Jack Kirby draw Patrick McGowan. <laughs> that is like that. I didn't realize that had gotten as far as being like announced or solicited, but like that that takes it for me because I am not convinced that would be good, but I am convinced it would be fascinating. Yeah. I would love to read it. Yeah. The, apparently, it was mentioned in a bullpen bulletins column. Wow. That there was going to be a Jack Kirby prisoner comic. Well, so what was announced was a version by Steve Englehart and, Jill, and Gil Kane. Okay. And then when Kirby came back, they were like, oh, Jack will do it. And then they... They never finished the issue. So it was 
solicited might be overstating it because it was just mentioned in a bullpen bulletins. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think Marvel ever published any prisoner stuff, so n- none of it ever got that far. Yeah, yeah. But they promoted it. They promoted it. They just never published it. Yeah. Uh, and it never got finished. So, yeah, that one would be that one would be fascinating to like go back in time and make happen. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Spooky Matt, that's my grave on our Discord. <laughs> that one got me. That was a good one. Says thanks in part to the Groonies, I have now read every Captain America comic since 1985. What should I read next? Like probably maybe like Captain America from 1984. Yeah, you could. Like you go read that Kirby run. That's good. You know what else you could read? You could read Dan Jurgens on Thor. That that you should do. You should read the Dan Jurgens run on Thor. Yeah, yeah. With, with your with your your parasocial buddy with Chris and Matt. Uh, Kevin Maroney had mentioned another thing on Blue Sky. I feel. Like, I need to mention this. Uh, Kevin Maroney says, Did you see the picture, this picture of American politician John Oxendine with extremely Norman Osborn hair? I'm going to tell you, Kevin, you're not going to believe this, but it's true. There was a period when I was working as a newspaper reporter that I covered the Georgia State Legislature. And when I was doing that, covering Georgia's legislative sessions, uh, I would cover things where John Oxendine – I forget what his title was in the the government. Oh, he was the insurance commissioner. He was the Georgia insurance commissioner – I would be at events where he was, and I saw him and talked to him in person, and I saw in person his fucking Norman Osborn hair. You're telling me there's a human being with Norman Osborn hair? Chris, it's it, – he – seeing this man in like 2007 or whatever year this was made me understand what Norman Osborn's hair was supposed to be. Show me a picture of this man. I sent you I sent you a <gasps> link. Oh my god. That is Norman Osborne hair. But but Kevin, I haven't just seen a picture of him. I have met him. How do you, how are you not thinking about that every day of your life? <laughs> I mean, I think about it often. I think about it often. I can't. I. 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 You gotta send me some more text because you gotta scroll this one off the screen. <laughs> I cannot deal with this knowledge. This is Lovecraftian. <laughs> All right, I'm writing you more texts. That was a genuine gasp. John Oxendine, who has become more famous for his hair than his accomplishments as a politician. Kevin, I have met the man. Did he tell you that he's something of a scientist himself? 
Uh, no, but it, what he does have in common with Norman Osborn is he is probably going to federal prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great Matt. A, a plus line. A plus plus. <laughs> Uh, I invite you to go look at any recent article about John Oxendine, who was indicted in May 2022. All right, here's our next question. It's from uppitycrow.bsky.social. In Red Rain and its sequels, Batman becomes a vampire. What other classic monster would be most interesting for Batman to be or become in an Elseworlds-style story? Godzilla. Godzilla. Now, now I am on record as saying Godzilla is not a Halloween monster. You are. So if we're talking about Halloween monsters, the answer is different, but obviously Godzilla. Now, Chris, you are a notorious Red Rain hater, and I don't really like it that much either. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's. I mean, Bat- Batman dies and then kills a bunch of people, so I think that's not a great story. Not a great Batman story. Yeah. Tell me Batman gonna lose a fight to Dracula. You really gonna tell me that? So, what Halloween monster could he become in which you could do, like, a real Batman? I mean, I think you could do a story where Batman becomes a vampire that's still a Batman story. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, when I think about people in the DC universe talking about superheroes, I, like partially because of, of Kurt Busiek, but I'm like, yeah, you know those there are people who are just like who talk about Dracula and they are referring to Batman in Gotham City. You know that. Yeah. I think you could do like a good Batman story where he is a vampire. They just haven't. But like have Batman become a vampire, then skip to like a year later where he has developed ways to synthesize blood so that he doesn't have to drink it from real people and harm them. So he's still Batman, but he's a vampire. Mm-hmm. That's all. But what other monster could he become where you could st- also do a good story? Well, he, he was a mummy. That one time, mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think he would be a very good Gilman. It would really fit his his vibe. See, I, I, I think I don't think we can limit ourselves to Halloween monsters in this instance. I think we have to go broad, like folklore monsters. Well, I mean, there's. Werewolf Batman would be. That's just man bat. Interesting. That guy exists and sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Although if he was if he was a half bat, half wolf, half man, that there might be something to that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like. I he like because he's already kind of a monster already, like he's already half a Dracula. Yeah, that's true. 
I, I mean, Dracula is clearly the best fit for him. Like, yeah. Frankenstein Batman does not make a lot of sense. Well, hang on. Hang on. Now that you've said it, I could get, I could get into that. Zombie Batman? See, I, I like Frankenstein Batman better. Because yeah. that, like, see, in that scenario, Alfred's Dr. Frankenstein... And then, and then okay. he uses the final machine. Oh, you know what Batman should be? A ghost. Just a straight-up ghost. That'd be pretty cool. Like, showing up where criminals are and haunting them. You don't, you don't, you don't think he deserves some rest, Matt? He'll never rest. Not while crime doesn't. He'll never rest. Here's a question from here's an actual question from Scary Weather the Boo Cat on Oh okay Discord. What Halloween candy did or do you trash instantly? I don't like those uh those little pumpkins. Those little pumpkins are bad. The, the, are the are they kind of like waxy? Yeah, I like them waxy pumpkins. Any kind of waxy candy, I don't want it. Yeah. Like it is Sad that the candy called Mary Jane's sucks. Yeah. Agreed. Hard agree. Like, they should be good because of their name and because they have peanut butter in them. And because but, Matt loves weed. Yeah, boy. But they're bad. Sorry. And and any of those like um little like I guess they're butterscotch candies that are in like the black or orange wrappers that oh, yeah, are the, unmarked. Yeah, those are those are rough. If you get those, I know that you did not think this through. That is a sign to me that you this is a you did had no thoughts. You don't care about other people. Yeah, you don't you don't care about you other simply people. do not care about other people. Oh, I guess those are bitter honeys. Bitter honeys. Blech. Is well, that what those are? We're like bitter. Get that out of my house. Yeah, don't want that. Don't want that. Uh, I yeah. Oh no, those are Mary Janes. Mary Janes are the ones in the orange and black wrappers. No, thank you. Yeah, not good. Uh. I would eat Smarties, Smarties, but I don't, I don't love them. They're chalky. Smarties, Smarties are fine. They're sugar. You know? I prefer Sprees to Smarties. Legit? That's fair. Yeah. Um, and of course, candy corn. Candy corn can fuck right off. See, I, I am like very neutral on candy corn. I simply cannot work up the 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 vitriol. I mean, it's whatever, I guess, but like I'd rather have something else. I understand neither its popularity nor the backlash. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. It took me so long to realize how they're corn. Yeah, cuz they're like they're like corn kernels. Right, if you put them on a on a cylinder, 
it would look like corn on the cob. But they're mostly orange. <laughs> like, they're, they're confusing, I feel like. But uh, I, I think okay. I think you got some good answers there, Scary Weather. Listen, I, I don't understand a lot of things, so it's the, I, I got no leg to stand on here. Outrider C on our Discord says, Why do some superheroes seem to support expanded spinoff characters, like all the various Flashes and Spider-People, and others not so much? Honestly, my answer to that is because they were dedicated to it early. Like, Kid Flash is not like is is like much like Robin happens very early to to Barry Allen and then the acknowledgement of of Earth 1 Flash and Earth 2 Flash being like being both guys like also happens I I feel like very early on enough to be like oh, okay so there's multiple guys who can do this much in the same way that you have an entire Batman family, because Batman has a family in 1940. Right. But there's only, well, I was going to say there's only one Batman. That's not true. There have been... There's several. Five Batman. Because there's there's been Bruce. There's been Bruce. There's been there's Jean-Paul Valley. Yeah. There's been Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson, twice. There's been Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon in the in the robot suit. And then there was the like the Future's End Batman. Uh yeah, and there's also uh Thomas Wayne from the Bad Comics. Oh right, Flashpoint Batman. And there's uh there's Terry. Right, Batman Beyond, how can I forget him? Yeah. So that's seven. That's seven okay, that are like but- pretty much like in the core universe. But it always comes back to Bruce, oh, right? Back to Bruce, yeah. Just like it always comes back to Clark as Superman, even though there's more of an established Superman now with John. Yeah, but I, I feel like those characters, it's a very easy leap because you know, it, like Superboy happens pretty early on, but he's the same character, right? Like. He's still Legal, Clark, legally yeah. speaking, he's the same character, right? <laughs> uh, according to the court case, um, but like he comes from a planet where everybody can do that stuff. So all you need to do is is say like, "Oh, two people and a dog survived," and then you start expanding that. I feel like the measuring stick for this is. How well could a regular person take that role, right? Because part of the whole point of Spider-Man, and even more of the point of Spider-Man over the last decade or so, is that basically anybody can be Mm Spider-Man. That's kind of true of The Flash, too. Like, everybody who's been a Flash has been kind of a regular person who just happened to get powers, you know, Mm -hmm. that's also true of green lanterns. Like anybody can be a green lantern if they 
are deemed worthy and are given a ring. But like being Batman is hard. So it always comes back to being Bruce because he's the only one who can take the punishment of being Batman for a long period of time. Yeah. Like Superman ends up always being Clark because no one's as good of a guy as Clark. Right. So, so I think it's, it's something inherent to specific characters where like, some superhero roles could be taken on by anybody and some only certain people can have the personality for it or can take the punishment of the role. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I feel like, I feel like there's also a difference between a legacy character and a character who can support a, like, a, a family of characters, right? Yeah. Because I, I feel like Batman as a legacy character doesn't always work, partly because you, you, you kind of don't want Dick to have to become Batman, you know? Well, because Dick's his own character. Like, yeah. anybody, if anybody becomes Batman, you can rest assured it's temporary. Yeah. But like even even within the story, like ideally, th- there will be no more need for Batman. Yeah, like Batman will retire when he has fully eradicated all crime. Uh, and who else needs it? Who else needs that job? Yeah, Br- Bruce is the only one willing <laughs> to put himself through that. Yeah, he he, he de- there's definitely like. He has a need yeah. to do it, and the world needs him to do it. Yeah. But, like, Batman is the center of a of a family of characters. Like, the center of, like, an entire corner of the universe is, is like, obviously works. And has yeah. worked for 83 years. But, but Batman inspires characters to be figures sort of like Batman, but not Batman. Yeah. Whereas it's, there are so many Spider-Men and Spider-Women, you know, (laughs) I think for Spider-Man, I think it's relatability because Peter, like for all the fact that he has like radioactive spider powers is like by design, a very relatable character. Right. So for him, for there to be other spider people, all it takes is like someone who can relate to that or someone that the, the, the audience can relate to, uh, which is, you know, why I think miles works so well and why, why Gwen works so well, uh, in, in the, the animated movies, but like that kind of relatability is a key to that. But with Batman, I feel like it's, it's, it's a thing that I've written about before where it's like the Batman family is the proof of concept that Batman works because Dick Grayson isn't going to be Batman. He, he, he's going to be like a relatively well-adjusted dude who is also like a crime fighter and who also, you know, his parents were killed in front of him, but like he doesn't grow up to be a sourpuss. 
like Batman. I love him, but the guy's a sourpuss. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. We got time for a couple more questions, and we got to wrap this up. Uh, let's, let's, let's knock him out. Stone Cold HCC, an account that exists only to ask questions on War Rocket Ajax, wants to know, how raw was it when at that time I started tweeting again after letting my mom do it for a while? I would say if we were doing a Thursday Night Raw, that would I'd clear out the top of the list for that one. Stone Cold, I'm going to say it's like a thorn in your eye. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome you! Matt, I, I love that. Love that for how, you, love that for me. How often, Chris, do you think about the opening to Raw circa 1998? Oh, literally every day of my life. I think about it all the time. That's our Roman Empire. It's it's the night for the fight, and it's over the beast. It's a job, it's a for the beast. Yeah, that. I have no idea what the words are to Thorn in Your Eye. I always thought it was raw is like a thorn in your eye, uh, which is not, is not it, the lyrics. Is it what am I the thorn in your eye? Because that's what I thought it was. It's why am I the thorn in your eye? I was close. I was yeah. close. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Are you ready? I have the actual lyrics. <laughs> it's my life in the box in front of me. It's my life in the box in front of me. Taking junk in my arms is the soul of me. Oof. Yikes. You walk by, eyes can see me laying face down. Why am I the thorn in your eye? There's a lot more lyrics. Yeah, that. That's that's it. Uh, all right, this is going to have to be our last question. Uh, this is from eddiepiss.bsky.social. Uh, what is the meal you have been most proud of making? Hmm, that's an interesting question. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I'm because I'm often proud of stuff that, like, is just simple and turns out well. Yeah. If I can yeah. ever figure out how to make a good steak. I think that, that will certainly qualify. Oh, I can help you with that. I, I, I can't. I can't get it. I can. I can. I can cook a pretty decent steak. You gotta have a cast iron pan. I, I do. I do cook in the cast iron. You gotta put butter in it. I, I do. I do that as well. And you gotta make sure it's ripping hot before you put the steak in. Yeah, I, I always feel like I do that, but I don't think I wait long enough. It's it's that, it's that, it's that it, impatience. It has got to be ripping hot, because what you want is a almost crispy outside. Yeah, see, I, I can never get the sear on it like I want to. You want that great sear and like a medium rare to medium inside. Well, I mean, however done you want it inside, but... Rare. Uh, I'm always going for medi- like medium, medium rare. Uh, here's here's what I'm proudest of. Okay. Uh, I once made three separate galettes from scratch mm. for three separate dietary needs. 
That is great. I made it like I made a tomato and mushroom and prosciutto galette, uh, and then I made a just a tomato and mushroom galette for a vegetarian friend. But we were also having a friend who does eat meat, but she's uh, uh, no lactose. So I used like the the vegan cheese on that one uh, with with the prosciutto, and they all turned out extremely well. I, I'm very I, I can I can make a mean galette from scratch. If that I sounds, want to spend the time. That sounds delicious. It was very good. Uh, the meal I am most proud of, like, for me, it couldn't be something I've only ever made once because I'm never satisfied with anything I do the first time. Because I'm always like, there's room for improvement, right? Mm-hmm. But I made this a bunch of times, and I got really good at it. And I haven't made it in a long time, and I need to go back to it. I got really good at making chicken parmesan. Ooh. Where, like, I would actually fry the chicken in, like, a deep fryer. And then I would lay it out on a pan, like, in a Pyrex dish, and cover it with pasta sauce and cheese mozzarella and parmesan and then i would bake it for like 20 minutes and get that cheese melted and you know that sauce nice and hot and i freak i found some recipe that was just like perfect and by the by the last few times i was doing that it turned out so good and i i personally love chicken parmesan so uh I was pretty proud of making that when I used to make that all the time. I should make it again. You should make it again. You yeah. Specifically make it for me. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to have to come here. I also got pretty good at making Korean chicken wings, which you, I, I know you did. I need you to, to send me that recipe again. Yeah. Now that I'm uh, an air fryersman. There's a video. Um, if you're going to make Korean chicken wings, you got to do it in like a real fryer. Um, for them to be good, but what you made them uh, in the air fryer? No, I, I really that was another thing that I like really made in an actual deep fryer. All right. Um, the the problem is like cooking stuff in a deep fryer is messy and hard to clean up and a big headache, but it's worth it. Okay, that is it for our <laughs> listener question special uh, for this week. If you would like to send us a listener question, you can email it to us at our email address, which is War Rocket Podcast at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us every story ever lists, Thursday night raw submissions. Let us know if you want to sponsor the show, drop us a line about any old other thing. You can send us questions at Tumblr, warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us questions on blue sky. We're on blue sky at warrocketajax.bsky.social. That's we got a, we pulled a bunch of questions from there. Uh, this time around. But most importantly of all, you can send us questions on our Discord. You must be invited to be a member of our Discord, but if you ask us nicely for a an invitation to the Discord, uh, we'll get you one. Uh, so uh, it's a pretty thriving community over there on the Discord, and uh, you should go join it. WarRocketAjax.com is our website. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. Ever. That's like 
14 years of shows you can go check out. Uh, and also, WarRocketWiki.com is the fan repository of all the information you could ever need about this very show, War Rocket Ajax. If you want to find me and my stuff, you can go to mattdwilson.net. It's where you can find links to my comics, my books, my social medias, and my other podcasts. Chris, where can people find you? Hey, everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to all the stuff that I do. See you next week, everybody. We will see you next week. We're reasonably sure we'll have some guests. <laughs> we, I, I, there's, a, there's a good possibility we're going to have some guests. Yeah. It should be very fun. Yeah. You might be thinking, didn't you say you were going to have some guests this week? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's for us to worry about. Mm-hmm. But for you, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. Drag is not a crime. And cops, well, they're not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah!